My dear colleagues, my brothers and sisters, I feel a warm sense of belonging at Rick's College. I express gratitude to that grandfather beautiful choir Thank you. I have great admiration for My him. dear colleagues, my brothers and sisters, my early training was in I feel a warm sense of belonging at Rick's College. My beloved my grandfather, grandfather was once president here. here. Father was a fine I have great admiration for him and and he sang the lead in many of the Since my early years. training was in physics, I'm especially glad that your science building carries his name. My mother and father attended school here. My father was a fine scholar and athlete. spent many hours thumbing through he sang the lead in many of the operas here. Mother was also a great scholar and she developed her dramatic talent in plays at Rick's College. And as a child, I spent many hours thumbing through old Rick's Idas and laughed a lot, but felt a lot of feelings of pride both for my parents and for this great school. But more important than all of that, you and I share conviction about eternal matters. And therefore, I'm sure you can understand how I feel a close identity with you and with this special place. Boston College is a Catholic university, a fine Not long after beginning our recent mission in New England, and I, I was invited by a Jesuit priest to speak at his comparative so religion class at Boston College. Companion, companion Boston College is a Catholic university, a fine school with approximately 15,000 students. And, curious young and I eagerly accepted his invitation. Me that they had been so at the appointed the time, with two of my young like companion, companions, I found my way into a long, questions. large classroom on campus, so I made a few crowded with bright, and curious young people. This priest informed me that they had been studying the Mormon Church and that he would like the members of his class to have an opportunity to ask me questions. And so I made a few brief remarks in orientation asked each of my companions to speak also for a few moments. And then, as agreed upon, I turned to the class and asked for their questions. They responded vigorously, and in the next little while I did my very best to answer questions of all kinds, most of them extremely difficult. They asked me about uh, all of the controversial questions that aware young people of the world would know. They asked about polygamy, about the black issue. They talked about and asked me why there had been 2,000 changes in the Book of Mormon since its first publication. They asked me about the role of women in the church and why it was we would allow an organization to impose such strict expectations upon us with regard to food and clothing and matters of morality. Well, I responded to these questions and gave what I thought to be and still feel to be rather good answers. But at the end of the visit, though we parted cordially, I left the room and made my way to the car with a great feeling of heaviness descending upon my soul, a feeling I still remember vividly. They didn't understand those basic I realized that these young men and women that give still did not yet know the essence of our faith, and they may never know in mortality 
what it was that gives vitality to one of our faiths. They didn't understand those basic revealed principles that give purpose to our lives. And after prayerful pleading with the Lord, my dear brothers and sisters, I resolved that I would never again lose an opportunity to help inquiring souls to an understanding of the more important truth of the restored gospel. If it would be all right, if I and so three months later, in a new semester, this fine priest again asked me to come to Boston College. And accurate in my response. And I was elated for this second chance. If I chance. could take some twenty minutes to begin. However, I did ask him for his class if it would be all right if I changed the format slightly. And he agreed. I explained to him that I would be more efficient and accurate in my response to questions if I could take some 20 minutes at the beginning of the hour and outline for his class the more important elements of our faith. And he agreed. Again, my companions and I drove onto this beautiful campus, found our way into the classroom. I explained to the class that even though many of them were aware of the growth of our church and something about our more famous members, possibly even something of our strict living code, it was important that they know more and that they identify our church with the framework of great truths that give purpose, vitality, peace, and joy to the members. I assured them that no one can understand the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or its members until they come to understand something of these basic truths. And then by way of exposition, without argument, I went to the blackboard and outlined for them the most fundamental principles of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ as I understand them. I explained to them revealed truths concerning God and man and the relationship between man and God and the purpose for our life. Because it is in those questions that anyone's religious faith is espoused. In the brief presentation, my dear young friends, I explained that there is an eternal family of distinct beings. And as you know, chief among those beings is God, our Heavenly Father. He is the Father of our spirits. He is a personal, perfected being with body, parts, and passions. He is our heavenly Father, and we are his spirit children, created in his image. He is not a man-like God. We, instead, are God-like children. I explained to them, my friends, that Jesus Christ is our brother. Of a perfect as you being know or individual he is a separate is not perfected being he too like our father has so become a god by becoming perfect under the direction i explained that god is the title of a perfected being or individual god it is not the name of an unknowable essence as so many in the world believe the world for us. Under the direction of God, our eternal Father, and in harmony with the eternal laws, God, the God Jesus, organized and prepared the world for us. He came to earth to teach us. 
what we should do and what we could be. He willingly chose to give his mortal life. He was literally resurrected. He continues to live and influence our lives. He is our elder brother. I then explained that all of us, all who have lived, who are now living or who will live on this earth, are, are really, truly brothers and sisters. We lived before we came here as individual spirit beings, members of that great eternal family. And we chose to come here to earth and to accept the challenge and the problem of mortal life. We will continue to live after mortal death and will possess the same character and abilities that we develop while we are here. Since all of us are in the same family of beings, we have the capacity to become like the perfected members of our own family, like our brother Jesus, and like our eternal Father. I then explained to these fine young men and women that there are some eternal principles that exist whether we understand them or not, and that they govern all interactions and all change. These principles collectively govern the physical universe, and more importantly, the souls of man. The world was carefully prepared for our use in harmony with these laws. All of these laws are part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ organized the world consistent with these eternal laws. And when it was prepared, he brought Adam, the first of the spirit children of God, to come here. He brought him and then Eve and then all the rest of us to accomplish the purpose of our lives. All that takes place here, all of the changes we observe, happen consistent with these great principles. And just as gravitational or electromagnetic interactions correctly describe, at least to one degree, interactions between matter and radiation, there are great principles of natural law that govern the development of the human soul. And the interactions between God and man and between the Holy Spirit proceed in harmony with natural law. Into the world. Willful violation of these eternal laws brings evil into the world. God is not responsible for evil. He sorrows when people choose error and bring evil into the world. I finally explained to these fine young men and women that the purpose of our life was to participate here in an educational experience. We were, so to speak, to come here to go to school and to go to school where we would be independent of the consuming influence of the Father and the Son, where we would be able by our choice to sort out the truth and to live by it and develop into the godly kinds of beings that we are capable of becoming. And the Savior would become the great teacher in time 
personal and participate in the mortal experience by like. accomplishing for us what we certain things that we are incapable of doing for ourselves. To qualify for a life and among those tasks, as you know, was to provide for us a purple, per personal example of what we ought to be like, what we ought to do in order to perfect our soul, to qualify for a life hereafter with him and with the Father. Therefore, the explicit purpose for life, and I emphasize this, my dear young friends, the explicit purpose of life is to change from the pure and beautiful but unknowing, self-oriented state of a newborn child into a knowing, loving, and the only individual similar to the Savior. As a result of our conscious choice, we are charged here to develop the attributes of Jesus Christ in our soul. And the only success of any eternal consequence, my friends, is the extent to which we develop those attributes of Jesus in our own being. And like unto in my way of thinking, the chief attribute of this great Savior of ours is the capacity to love, a charity, or a grace. And like unto it and closely related is wisdom or truth or to speak and as with the word the of God. Of all is you will remember God, with me that in chapter 11 of 1st Nephi, and that this kind the dream of, the of Lehi is interpreted for Nephi, and he is told that the most well, desirable of all things is the, the love of God, of God which truth sheddeth itself abroad in the hearts of men, the rod of iron and that this kind of love is the source of Enduring joy. Which we can love is I hope you'll remember with me that the word of God or truth or wisdom is the rod of iron that leads to love. We must understand the extent to which we can love is and if we persist intrinsically related to the truth that we understand. To love more deeply as Jesus loves God and the Father loves, we must understand now more of truth. These and if we persist, we finally become perfect by knowing all truth and loving perfectly God and all of mankind. Now, after I had discussed and these issues, I mentioned to this group that, incidentally, we also have a divinely instituted church and divinely initiated marriage relationships now, and family, the very first and that these great organizations give us the opportunity to learn truth and to apply it in love. And then I opened the meeting to questions. Now, elders and sisters, the very first question that was asked me has been seared into my soul. I will never forget. He said this. I can still see the young man sitting off to the right in that sea of faces. And he made a comment that was enclosed in a question. Now reflect with me he said moment, this, my dear Sir, friend, 
Is it true that what you have done is outline on the board a blueprint for the personal salvation of every soul? Had sketched out these principles. Now reflect with me for a moment, my dear young friends. Was able to perceive the great After purpose of life more clearly. Twenty minutes or so, us, I think, when I at least from had time sketched to time. out these principles. Additional questions were. This young man was able to perceive I was able then to the great purpose to of life more clearly that I than many of us, I think, at least from and time to time. When this young man and Additional questions were equally important, of Jesus Christ was and I was able then to teach and to talk to them about things that, that I believe really matter. As good as they may and at be, that moment, when this young man and others began to see that the Church of Jesus Christ was not just an organization that has family home evening as fine as that is, or professional entertainers as good as they may be, but instead it was a church that taught revealed principles that have to do with the purpose of life and teaches the true relationship between man and God. At that point, the responsibility shifts to the head of the hearer. As the priest walked with us, and I knew that I had done what my father would have me do. I hope you can understand the kind of feelings of joy that welled through my soul. As the priest walked with us along the street to the car after that meeting, he was very quiet, and he made one comment, really. He simply said, it was different today. And I knew that he, too, had had some kind of experience that would be important in his life. And I must add a postscript to this little account. We continued to visit Boston College every term from then on. The last trip I made was in the company of a fine assistant who had immediate rapport with the priest. He wrote me just a few weeks ago to say that our mutual friend, a Jesuit priest of 30 years, had invited him and his companion to come onto the campus, into the living quarters of the faculty there, and teach him the discussions. Now they prayed together in that place, and the father was challenged to be baptized. This is a difficult challenge, as you could well understand, for one who has so long identified his philosophy of life and even his livelihood with another faith. The request of my great missionary, I wrote this good man, and just two or three weeks ago now he responded. I want to read a brief paragraph from his letter because it tells about the young missionary who I think understood and is practicing what I think we all need to understand and practice. Quote, he possesses an unusual maturity for his age and is so chock full of personality that Madison Avenue would be happy to have him. Always the gentleman, always endowed with a charming sense of humor, he never lets his sophistication deter him from the points which he desires to make. 
and the resolutions he is determined to carry out. He is an exceptional missionary. He freely grants what he feels he must concede in argument, but he always returns to his main point and never allows the argument to stray from ground where he feels he can challenge and defend with the greatest effectiveness. And do not return quickly too often, dear friends, in a world where we felt as a people a little insecure, we have been led into discussion and controversy in things that matter not very much and do not return quickly to the central points of our faith that must be taught to the world. Now, I've been told in the last few days that this fine priest will take a leave from his university next year and follow the Mormon Trek West study as he goes. And he will visit with us this summer. In At that time. moment, when we first come to understand well, my dear young friends, it's not enough to acknowledge that these beautiful principles that you were already aware of are true. We who are blessed to know must At that moment, when we first come to understand that the purpose of life is to perfect our soul, then a great responsibility is assumed. We who are blessed to know must respond and actually progress toward that great goal. Fortunately, the Savior has taught us well how that change in the soul can be accomplished. The perfecting process is contained in the very first principles of the gospel. It begins, as you know, with faith. Not just a faith that Jesus is the Christ, but a faith in his that message, a faith that we can know, we can learn, we can change, we can become as Jesus himself really is. That faith is absolute prerequisite to growth. That faith must be coupled with a dynamic involvement of the soul where one not only believes they can learn, but they study and strive to know. Because it's only in the faith-oriented, striving soul that truth can be made known in the soul through the Holy Spirit. Revelation always comes to the honest searcher, one who desires to know and to change and struggles to know will come to have the Holy Spirit testify inside the soul to give them the direction that is needed. That always works. One must have that open kind of heart, that teachableness that is referred to in the scriptures as an open heart and contrite spirit. I draw your attention to 3 Nephi, chapter 9, in the account where the Savior comes and to the Nephites and announces who he is, he them reminding them that he is indeed kind of Alpha and Omega, and the beginning and the end, Jesus the Christ, if the Savior of the world. The of their life. And then he teaches he them says, for example, before he instructs them no what kind of orientation and attitude they must have if they are to learn, if they are to succeed in the purpose of their life. He says, for example, and ye shall offer up unto me no more the shedding of blood, 
Yea, your and sacrifices and your burnt offerings shall be done away, for I will accept none of your sacrifices and your burnt offerings. Ye shall offer for a sacrifice unto me a broken heart and a contrite spirit, an open heart, open to the Holy Spirit, and a contrite spirit, one amenable or willing to change. That is what is required of anyone who would learn more or be more like Jesus Christ. He says that if you come to me in that way, then the Holy Spirit will come upon you and ultimately you will be able to repent and be saved. Faith unto repentance. The other great principle associated with faith, the dynamic faith that I have referred to, is change or repentance. A little at a time. Faith unto repentance, a belief to know so that when one knows they are willing to actually change, change the way they think and feel and behave, a little at a time, each change taking them one step closer to being like the Master. Great process, faith, revelation through the Holy Spirit and then change. Repeated over and over again while the soul and the character are molded, the truth is known and love is expressed and ultimately salvation achieved. The broken heart is open to these promptings. By contrast, a hardened heart is one no longer open or receptive to the Holy Spirit. You see, both Nephi and Laman were born of goodly parents, but one lived his life with an open heart and contrite spirit, the other with a hardened heart, excluding the influence and help of the Spirit. I believe that those layers that harden the heart are just the opposite of those principles or actions that bring development and progress to the human soul. In order you see, to in error, instead of faith, fear, or pride constitute a layer on the hardening heart. So instead of faith, in order to persist in error, we do have to harden the heart because it's rather painful when we realize that we're acting out of harmony with truth. Another layer forming over so the instead of faith, we sometimes have fear. I can't do it. Or pride. I already know. I needn't listen and that to layer consists of laziness. Another layer forming over the hardened heart is the opposite of the work or the striving that is absolutely prerequisite the for the presence of the Spirit. Doing what seems and that layer consists of laziness or, or apathy, accepting life as it is and Hardness on the heart of all being carried along by the current, the opposite of repentance, doing what Once seems to be important at the moment without any plan or purpose. Out of harmony with the and truth, the most devastating layer of hardness on the heart of, of all is sin, the, child of God to the opposite of repentance. Once having come to know the truth and choosing to live out of harmony with the truth, which is a sin. Instead of believing one is a child of God to believe they couldn't matter to anyone, or instead of correcting a bad habit to continue in it, knowing that it will prevent one from greater blessings and opportunity. 
in a little story written by my mother. My dear friends, I, think it I will the tie together the elements of what I hoped you could understand and what I wanted to, stay, to say the in a little story written by my mother. The I think it illustrates long, the change the process that we are responsible to pursue when we come to understand. She entitles it, The Samoan Brother. The meeting had been long, and the weary missionaries looked at the clock, anticipating dismissal. The stillness was exceedingly still in the dimming twilight of the musty chapel as the Samoan brother arose to speak. He was short and plump, and his sad eyes filled with tears as he talked. He looked at the floor. He formed his words with care. I'm sorry, I not speak English, he said, but I believe the gospel true. His hands clenched the back of the bench in front of him. I come to Auckland from Samoa, so children go to school. Also, I believe the gospel True. My wife comes from Samoa. The Samoan brother took his handkerchief from his pocket and wiped his perspiring forehead. He shifted his weight from his left foot to his right foot. He spoke softly but with feeling. My wife comes from Samoa with a girl who is sick in hospital. My wife promised sick girl we come see now. I believe we should see her. President, he make me missionary. He called meeting. I believe the gospel true. I believe we should do what gospel say. I believe I should go with wife to visit sick girl. I believe I should come to meeting. I cannot do both at the same time. I in trouble. I not know which should I should. I be come home from work one day. But I want to tell you one thing first, he said. And he hesitated, searching for the English words that would best express his emotions. I want to tell you one thing. I come home from work one day, and I come up steps of place where I live, and I see dead cat on porch by door of my neighbor's house, man who lives next to my house, very close next. The cat was black and white, and it was dead already by door of his house. I see it, I go in my door, and I shut the door. Next day I come home, and I see dead cat on my porch next to my door. Dead cat, it is black and white. And its stink is not good. And, they say, Man, and I go in the house and shut the door quick. I shut stink that belonged to dead cat and, and cat itself out. And I say and to I children, who put cat on our porch? And they say, Man, who lives next to his door? Quick, I say. He brought it over and put it on our porch by the door. And I was And I think to do neighbor mad. And I say to children, take dead cat, put it back on his place next to his door. Quick, I say. I did not like the dead cat, and I did not like its stink, and I did not like the man who put it there, and I think bad things of him. Then I go out back. Children come back and say, We put dead cat on porch by door. I expect man to our place. We put it by his house to come out and say something. I expect he is mad too. Then I go out back of my place and I sit in chair and I think, and I full of big mad, and I expect man next to our house to come out and say something. I expect he is mad too, and with two mads, that's too much mad, and I wait, and I think of stink of dead black and white cat. The Samoan brother paused, heaved a great sigh, and sniffed, and then continued. After some little while, I think of who I am, and I believe the gospel's true, and I think of gospel. And I say to children, and I think for a long minute, and I go soft, and I hurt inside. 
And I have confusion. Yeah. The dead cat, and we bury it in the back. And then I make decisions. We dig a and hole. And I say to children, make a box for the go dead get cat dead cat, and, and dirt bring it over top. here, and we bury After it. After we finish putting dirt on top of stink children, they bring the dead cat, and we bury it in the backyard. You buried it. And we dig a hole that's deep and make a box for the dead cat and put plenty dirt on top. And after we finish putting dirt on top of stink children, say to me, Oh, we glad you bury dead cat. It is better thing to do. We like you for doing that. And then I think of my children. The matter is gone, gone somewhere. I not know where it is gone, but it is gone. I pleased with myself for showing children. I believe gospel too, and I sit in chair and think. The mat is gone, gone somewhere. I not know where it is gone, but it is gone. And pretty soon, while I thinking and rocking back of my place, my neighbor come over fence and he look at you go to church every Sunday. I smiling say, I did not like you so much living next to me. I not like you. I wish you stay in Samoa. I see you church people. I see you go to church every Sunday. I not know what church you go to, but now I glad you go to church. I see you believe your church. You live right. I sorry I put dead cat on your porch. I real sorry about that. I believe the, the Samoan brother wiped his eyes with his I'm handkerchief, and he was visibly I'm sorry crying. About dead cat. Brothers and sorry sisters, about the I believe we got to I live our actions. I, I believe the You'll gospel truth. I not talk English. I sorry about dead cat. I sorry about the language, and that's all I've got to say. Now I go visit sick woman. You excuse, please. I sorry to leave president, but you excuse. Live your action, so man who lives next to your house can see. Then he believe gospel too, and I believe. You be happy. Then he walked apologetically. Overcome with emotion, he broke off and stood for a few moments. Tears falling in big drops from his My cheek dear, to the lapel of his smallest suit. And then he walked apologetically, and eyes and head drooping along God. the aisle to the outer door. We're here on earth to protect dear, our souls, young brothers to learn and sisters. what is true and to choose to live We're spilled, spirit children and then to of apply God. it in loving acts to one another. We're here on earth to perfect the our more soul, truth we learn, to learn what is true and to choose to live it. And then to apply it in loving acts by which to one another. About that change begins with faith and the more truth we learn, the more loving we can be. The process by which we bring about that change begins with faith and effort, striving to know. Have to do and then the Holy Spirit Jesus can guide. And then we have to lift our actions. As the Samoans say, I come home from. We have to do as Jesus would do. Joy in my heart, knowing that it's possible. The gospel is beautiful. To teach the whole world. I come world home from a mission with simple, great joy in my heart, knowing that it's possible. And as applied, will bring joy to the. Soul. To teach the whole world. These simple, central truths no that will give them the purpose soul. in life and as Only applied will bring joy to the soul. Put around our heart prevent our growth. There's no I limit to the capacity of the human soul. Only the layers of hardness that we put around our heart prevent our growth. To the extent that we'll let him, he influences and I testify to you that Jesus does live. And that he loves each one of us and to I the extent that we'll let him, he influences and directs our lives. And I know that he lives. Like him. 
I pray that you and I and all of us will apply those saving principles and become more and more like him and encourage all the world to pursue the same course. And I bear this testimony to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.